Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Good morning, church. And good morning to so many places. Hi, guys. I, I, I breezed by some people today, unable to say hello. But hello, it is good to see you here at the soundstage. And checking in so far, uh, when I got up, I'm checking in, we'll continue. And if you haven't, please do. And if you're watching on your main telly in the big room, that might be difficult. But you can send a comment or you can email, and that checks you in as well. Just before I got up, People in um, Mississippi, Florida, Indiana, Missouri, New Mexico, Mexico, Ohio, Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, West Virginia, Oregon, and California had checked in. And I know that Tanzania is going to check in with Epaphras Malale. So hello, Epaphras, we love you dearly. We know some others that regularly check in will be doing so. And some don't check in until the very last of the lesson, which is Fine, That's, we just appreciate it so much. And whenever you do watch, it means a lot. Thank you for all of those who came out as we did welcome home tour from um, west to east, right in the center of Ohio with Dayton, Columbus, Cambridge, slash Bysville, and uh, then a little bit further south in Circleville. The, I wish you all here at the sound team could go with, or sound stage team, could go and hear the thanks. Uh, there was a comedian that once said that they say such nice things about you at your funeral. It's a shame you're going to miss it by two days. <clears throat> I told Cammy, I said, it's as if I've been at my funeral. Uh, the, the praise that is poured out upon this work and what you're doing. And those of you that are uh, praying for us, giving in any way, whether it's financial or, as Eric said, through action, uh, sharing of possessions or goods, you are changing worlds, and more than one person said that this has saved their life, that before they were suicidal. And if two people say that in four different meetings, one must wonder how many others have said the same. So thank you. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for uh, allowing this to occur. So you want to do a revolution well, if you read in Matthew chapter 6, right after this, oh, oh, by the way, Karen Freeman, who read? Karen and Larry, we've known them since 2011, I believe, when we were in Colorado, and they now live in Spokane, Washington, part of the house church up there, one of our house churches up there, and they are actually moving this month to Middle Tennessee because they want to spend their time with us. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, it is. And yeah, we can do that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Karen plays guitar, so thank you. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm excited about having them here with us, and, and you're going to love them. Uh, people who have been with us, John and Michelle Berkebile, came to two different ones of the Welcome Homes because they live in Lancaster, and it was equidistant, so they came to both, and that was, a, that was quite the treat. Well... In our kingdom manifesto, 
generally called the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 16 of chapter 6, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash, and oil on your head meant dress up, and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, I did a Monday morning message on fasting uh, a month ago, and you can find that on our YouTube channel. Uh, it does still amaze me that people will say, wait, you're recording these? Yes, yes. I have a dear friend who's a worship leader in Colorado. He grew up in Alabama. He was, he's very well known in his tribe as a worship leader, Matt Elliott. And the entire time I was in Colorado, I don't think we had one week where we didn't get a message from somebody, do you guys record these? And Matt actually has, every time somebody said that on Facebook or one of these other, he has texted me, you guys started recording these yet? Yes. And they're all up there, about 500 videos so far. And so it's quite the treasure trove uh, that you can, well, some's more treasure than others, but it's available. It's free. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about fasting here and why it's a, a valuable part of our devotional lives, because that's not the point Jesus is making here. He's not trying to get you to fast. He's not trying to tell you how to fast. He's telling you how not to fast. There's been a shift in subject, though. And it doesn't seem to flow. Because he, he goes after people who pray in an ostentatious, over-the-top way in public as a display. And then he says, now you ought to pray this way. And then he swings right back to saying, get it inside you and don't be a show. Don't make yourself the point of whatever is going on. Uh, there's no rule in Jewish literature that says that you have to have your sermons written down in order. And please understand, once again, this was not people sitting quietly while Jesus stood there and said these words. These are highlights from most likely most of a day of back and forth with the people there. And we know that because in Luke 11, when he does the same words, he changes some because of the reactions back and forth. The discussion directs the flow. Speaking of which, I do hope we can get to the point, but we're going to need you know, a bit more money and time well, and, a, and a hire or two, where we can do more you know, like remotes, where we can be you know, doing this from the welcome home tour. And we're all you know, there. But also live tweeting and live answering and responsing, responses. Because I do that when I teach at universities online. Um, whenever, for some reason, I can't get there. It used to be COVID. Now, sometimes it's money. They'll say, you know something? Uh, we found out we don't need to pay your flying and hotel. You, you did just fine from your living room. And, and I'll go, okay, because Cammie's cute. I, I don't mind staying home. Uh, but they will have little things, little bubbles pop up. Here's a question. Here's a comment. Here's a very helpful. That's what Jesus was having, but they were live tweeting in person. Because the Jewish people, well, the Gentiles as well, uh, but the Jewish people, it was part of the process to question, to interrupt, to ask, to say, but I've heard. And so you're going to see what looks like a little skipping back and forth from Jesus. He, he doesn't have attention deficit disorder. He is responding to realities. 
Well, it could be that Jesus is returning to the hyper-holy here, as I like to call them, uh, some of whom were certainly in, a, in attendance. But once again, he asked us to move what we are offering unto God inside and not make it a display. Now, this is not meant to be taken to absurd levels. You know, Jesus even uses hyperbole. Now, I was told this week by one of our welcome home uh, people that they didn't know what hyperbole and synecdoche and some of the words that I say are. And I'm aware that you can't even Google them if you don't know how to spell them. We've all had that before Google when the teacher told us to look it up in a dictionary. And we're saying, but we don't know how to spell it. And that, you know, it just wasn't helpful. But anyway, uh, hyperbole means to make an overstatement to make a point. We do it all the time. I just did it. Did you see that? I, all the time. I don't do anything all the time. Uh, except breathing and heart beating. I don't do all the time anything. Sometimes I nap, rest, or watch telly. But we say all the time and everybody knows what we mean. Everybody knows what did I just do? Another hyperbole. Well, Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's hyperbole. There was, there was a guy, I only met one guy, and I was just a boy, and he was talking to my dad. And he said, I know that's very serious. I just reached my hand in my, my pocket, and whatever is there, that's what I put in the plate. There's just no, I don't want it. And my dad was always subtle. He said, yeah, I, I bet if your right hand pulled out a 50, your left hand would stop it. Um, he, he, was always, he was an empath, is what we call that, just full of love and grace bubbling out. Rainbows, unicorns, it was wonderful. Um, what is he talking about here? He said, just live your faith. Not so that other people see how wonderful you are and how you suffer for it. Just live your faith. House churches, and those of you that are one or two sitting on a couch, I hear you when you say, but how do we build and how do we grow? I do want to ask the question, why do you think you need to move it from where it is to something bigger and more organized? When Jesus never asked us to do that, ever. I, I believe that it is something within us that wants us to control our God and understand our God and to make him live in a box that we can then say, say we did these things in the box and now we're good with God. And I know that sounds rather shabby and almost insulting because most of us carry our Christianity outside the box, don't we? When we leave the brick and mortar. But where did Jesus ever ask for this? We tend to want to replicate the temple or the synagogue. When I don't think that's a sin, but I don't think that's what he was saying. He's saying, just do good. Just be good. And everybody here, he didn't need to refer them, knows their Isaiah. And if you don't know your Isaiah, you can Google this one. How about that? Or those of you who are rebels can duck, duck, go, or bang, or whatever. Put in Isaiah true fasting. And God talks what a true fast is. And it's things more like Eric was saying in the devotional. Pay your workers a fair wage. Be kind to the dispossessed. Share your goods with the poor. It's not about, I'm doing without food, Father. Look at me. Or, I'm doing without food so I can pray more earnestly that God will do what I want him to do. We had a, a church at one time where... 
Cammie and I helped arrange a fasting day for our people every Monday. Now, fasting can take many different forms. Please go look at the Monday morning message. It does not mean generally no food and no water. There are many forms, so go look at that. Several people joined us, and we did this for, I think, a couple of years, and it was very beneficial to us. Some people told me, I want to join it, but Jesus said, don't let anybody know if you're fasting. Like the first rule of Monday Fast Club is don't talk about Monday Fast Club. No, that's not the point. The point is, you know, sitting on the bus. Oh, are you all right? Yes, I'm just fasting for the Lord. No. Comb your hair. Wash your face. Go to work. It's, and here's where I'm going to say something which will sound very political. Because a politician did it. And it was done to make a political point. But that's not my point. Last July 26th or 27th. Uh, this is 2023. I don't know when you're going to be watching. A member of Congress wanted to bring attention to laws that he said were being passed in Texas that would deny water breaks to people during the day. I've looked at the law. The law doesn't say anything like that at all. But he wanted to do a stunt. So this brave, brave man, and he called himself that and everybody around him did, walked around Washington, sat on the steps, um, fasting, no food or water. This poor man went without food or water for nine hours. I'm serious. And did you see the pictures on NBC, CBS, uh, ABC? He's sitting there like this, and there are four or five women around him, patting him, mopping his brow. What hell is this? For nine hours. Now, he did this, and media and Twitter lit up with how brave he was, which was very strange, because I saw no mention on Twitter no mention on Facebook, and no mention in the news. That very day, all observant Jews, Orthodox and conservative, all observant Jews around the world were engaged in a 25-hour fast to commemorate one of the worst days in Jewish history. And nobody mentioned that. Why? Because they did it in private. He was doing it as a stunt. Now do you see why Jesus says don't do that? Don't make your Christianity a display, a stunt. Make it private and living within you. Religious people do stunts. I have seen so many. Many of them will share about how they have suffered for their love and affection of God. Uh, and when I do welcome home tours, some people say, we're just so sorry you get hate mail. Fact is, I don't get near as much as I used to get. I don't know if I've been written off as a bad cause or something, but uh, even when I get it, it's all right. It doesn't hurt. I'm fine because I believe they're saved and I'm saved. Uh, they don't believe I'm saved, so I, I do plan to spend a lot of eternity jumping out from behind bushes going, boo. Uh, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, I'm looking forward to it. God and I have had discussions. And um, you know, let them check their map to make sure you are here, is really in heaven. Um, have I suffered for Jesus? Yeah, but you know something? The blessings are just phenomenal. 
How about this? I've been married to my girlfriend for 44 years. Have I suffered in marriage? Well, yeah. It seriously crimps your dating life. Um, limits, options. I, I have to help make a bed. Uh, I no longer am allowed to eat brownies over the sink. You know, there are things like this. I, oh, the troubles I've seen. Oh, I, in fact, let's, let's get the guitar up and do a 12-bar blues. But whenever people say, oh, you know, marriage is hard work, I seriously don't get what they get. Because uh, the blessings have far outweighed. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Now, some of you have horrible marriages, and I'm very sorry about that. Go back and listen to the long-form Monday morning message of two weeks ago, because we addressed some of that as well. Uh, and you can, you can write, and we'll do what we can to help you. But stunts have always bothered me. Few of us under... I'm sorry, few of us over 55 will ever forget Oral Roberts who had to raise many millions of dollars to build another thing on his campus that he named in all humility Oral Roberts University. I've driven by it, which is my recommendation if you're in the area, just keep going. He would stand there and cry and say, God appeared in the vision to him. And said that if he didn't raise this money, maybe his mission was done on earth. And that God would call him home. Yes! He said God had a hit out on him if he didn't raise a certain amount. And we're all going, this is not helpful for Christianity. We serve a Jesus who didn't own a place to lay down to call his own. And now he's putting out hits on TV preachers and extorting money from a lot of people's social security checks. That was just wrong. And I can remember the uh, strutting, the yelling of Jimmy Swaggart. And then one day, Cammie and I were in Edinburgh, uh, the capital of Scotland. And we're in our bed and breakfast and turned on the news. And there he was standing crying about what he had done sexually wrong. And the thing is, these men, when they fall, they don't fall alone, do they? They suck a lot more people down with them. They made displays. So here's another reason to keep it inside and just live Jesus. When you fall, then other people lift you up. You don't take more people down. I, I always tell people this. There's no reason to put Patrick ever on a pedestal. He is as riddled with sin and fault as anybody watching this. And that's not hyperbole. Besides, if you put me on a pedestal, it'll merely kill me when I fall. And I don't want to do that. When? Did you notice I said when? I didn't say if I fall. Because I am a human being who needed the Son of God to die for me to get me in heaven. Perhaps I shouldn't be on a pedestal. Maybe we shouldn't do all of this. I mean, look at this kingdom manifesto and how much of it can really be displayed, uh, rather be described or summed up as saying, don't become a display. Get about living your lives of faith and submission to Jesus, but don't become the focus. You are a part of the kingdom, but you are not a, the point of the kingdom. You are a child of the king, but you are not the king. As I could not trace the first person to say this, and if one of you has been able to, let me know. 
they said, a lot of people want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. God, here's what I'd like for you to be doing today. Uh, Oh, some of my prayers have done that. Absolutely, some of my prayers have done that. That's a thing about whenever you name a sin or a fault or whatever, eventually you remember part of your own life and you go, oh yeah, yeah. Go about your lives quietly. In fact, God wrote a warning ticket on my job. He said, not many of you be teachers for you will receive a greater condemnation. And I got to tell you something. Uh, that, that weighs on me a bit, but I believe in the love of God enough to where uh, I don't obsess over it. Think of what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 11 and 12. And then remember, it's Paul saying it. 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 11 and 12. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you won't be dependent on anybody. Wow. Now, who wrote it? Paul. Was Paul rather well-known? Yes. Paul would have rather led to quiet life. And he's saying that's what's really more effective. I'll tell you right now, the reason I'm a Christian and the reason I've stayed a Christian is not Paul. It is the love of other Christians. That's what Jesus is talking about. People like me, we got to flame out. We got to go out there. We got to get in front of the camera and do this work. But the real work of Christianity is not on display. It is the trillions of kind acts. It is the sitting quietly listening. I can remember the church where the tribe I was in for a long time several of the churches would go give out food and stamp the name and address and phone number of the church on the cans. So the people would always remember who fed them. I'm going, no, that's not what they remember. They remember they were fed to advertise the church. And how many places you have to, the poor have to come in and listen to a sermon, then they get the soup. No, no, no. We don't do that. Before we leave this passage and enter the next one, just let's learn a phrase that connects them together and and connects a lot of the kingdom manifesto together. When you trust your king to reward you, you no longer need to be rewarded by anyone or anything else. As long as the king sees you, that's enough. I have gone through brutal days and I, they're brutal because I just wanted to go through the day. You know, it's one of those days you're in an airport, you hop a plane, another airport, hop a plane, you go, where every time, every, there was an opportunity to do something for Jesus and I wasn't in the mood. But you have to do it because, you know, my, my attitude sometimes is not as sweetness and light as you might have suspected. And there are times inside my head, I've actually grinned and said to God, hope you're watching because I want credit for this. (laughs) Well, he is watching, of course. Let him reward you. And then Matthew 6, that 19 through 21, the perhaps most ignored passage of this entire manifesto. Do not store yourselves up treasures on earth, 
where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh my goodness, this is ignored, isn't it? Or it's explained away. Or we got to keep this for a rainy day. Uh, I can remember when Cammie and I were in the mission field, desperately needing a vehicle, and a church, we were back in the States to visit family uh, for a while, and a church asked to come talk to us about your mission. We did. And they said, what do you need? And we said, we're desperate for a vehicle. We can't, you know, the buses don't run on the Sunday like they do during the week. And we need to get people in. And uh, they had a big meeting about it. And then, you know, called us later and decided that they really couldn't do that. Because they were, uh, you know, they had money set aside. But it was for a rainy day. Now, this was back in the 80s. And the money they had set aside was $150,000. And I'm thinking, that's quite a lot of rain. Because that'd be a half million dollars today. And we were just needing 10000 But they didn't want to dip in. Now, they may have had a very legitimate reason that they did not share with me. So this is no condemnation to them. What I'm saying is, we do find a way to get around that, don't we? To say, let's... Um, we trust you, Jesus. But this passage is a little far. I get it. I get it. We're constantly bombarded with messages that say we do not have enough. We don't have the right things. We need these things. We're on very perilous ground here. And I want to make it very plain why we're in perilous ground. This is a message not to the person you're thinking about. This is a message, but not to your neighbor. Not to your teenager. This is a message to you. Individually. If you do not judge Anyone else in the keeping of this, you work on you. We, we are not qualified to judge others, neither do we have the authority to do so. It is God's job to do that. So what do we do? Well, we see somebody else with their piles and piles of cash and we think ill of them, but that only distracts us from looking inward at ourselves. But that's our job, to look inward at ourselves and it's God's job and only God's job to look at others. And too often, railing against the rich is merely a cloak of jealousy. Jealousy is toxic. See somebody drive by in a Bentley and gone, spending $300,000 on a car is sinful. When what we really mean is, wish I had a Bentley. And if you're thinking, I don't really, okay, want to go out and look at your car? <laughs> Even if it's like mine, a Hyundai Tucson, uh, but not all the options, but it, it's a great vehicle. Uh, it's got 51,000 miles on it, and I've had it for 19 months. Welcome home, tours. Um, that car is as exotic as a stretch Mercedes limo to a lot of the world. So don't judge others by your standards. Let God do that. We judge us. All right. By the way, if you're jealous of what rich people have, it poisons your joy with what you have. And why would you poison your joy? We no longer thank God for our provision because look what they got. And by the way, that's the devil using the same old line he has used since the Garden of Eden, which is God's holding out on you. You should have more. Why does he keep using that line? Because it keeps working. And yeah, this causes wars. It blows marriages apart. But I want us to look at this and realize, move in, inward. Let me just say, the message from Jesus Christ 
to all of you. You are enough. And you have enough. That's the message. The world will tell you, no, 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 you're not enough. You need these pills. You need this lawyer to sue for you. You need, you need gold because your money's worthless, but we'll trade you our gold for your worthless money. Pay attention. You know, we're, we're going to run out of silver. I've been hearing that for 40 years. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But the price of silver has been hanging in there. But all the fear, all the fear, and you need, and you need, and you No, no, no. Do you trust him? Then silence the endless commercials on media, billboards, and wrapped around gossip. Put your treasure where no one can steal it. Put your treasure where you don't have to have a lock and key. But you do it. Don't direct others how to do it. It's a matter of focus. And that's how he closes out this passage. The, the eye is the lamp of the body. Very strange thing to us, but this is very Semitic. In Semitic languages, even today, in Semitic lands, this is very easily understood. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of life, light. If your eyes are unhealthy, and by the way, I don't like that translation, and I love the NIV. It really, literally, is more, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is many, you or I will be of darkness. And while it's harder to explain, it works better. If you're focused, you'll be full of light. But if you're distracted, then darkness. And what have we allowed ourselves to do? It started with Walkman. A little cassette, ask your grandparents, little cassette player with cheap little plastic headphones. And when those, those first came out, my first thought was, if people start listening to those, they're cutting off from others. I had no idea what was coming down the road. And the screens... And the addiction to screens. Now we use screens for work. I use them extensively. But we also need to know where's the focus? Where are your eyes? When I find myself tense, when I find myself fighting depression, which is a, th- a part of my life, or if I find myself unease at my wor- with my work, my spirit is troubled, I start hunting for the cause. And quite often it's where I put my eyes. It's quite often it's where I'm focusing. Sometimes you can get 15 emails and they're all praise, and you get one that's negative, and guess which one you think about? I think I'm kind of past that, but if I got 15 negative and one positive, I'm not going to focus on the positive, am I? You've got to learn where to focus, and it takes intent. So Jesus wraps this up by saying, um, oh, by the way, we always wonder, well, why don't we feel content Let me just ask you, have you ever gone on a trip and thought, man, my suitcase is too heavy? You know what the real thing is? I have so much stuff. I am so blessed. That's the response. Or I've heard so many people say, man, my closets are so full. That's not a complaint. That's a praise. You ever gone into an old house and the closet was this wide? If you're on a podcast, I'm not sure this has the same effect. Um, about 18 inches wide and about six inches deep. That's because they hung their extra shirt, dress, and trousers there. That's it. And yet we go, man, I got so much clutter without thinking, isn't this a blessing? Look at this. And then no man can serve two masters. That's why polygamy is wrong. 
Either you, I'm sorry, sorry. Um, that's, uh, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Uh, you cannot serve God and money. Now, we usually apply the you cannot serve both God and money to the two masters. And, and it certainly fits. But it's not necessarily following. In other words, you can't serve two masters, period. If whatever you're serving is moving you away from serving God, that's your master, and you're going to need to cut loose. You. You don't tell others what to do. You decide. Well, when David counted uh, on Israel, counted Israel, he was really trying to count his horses, chariots, and, and soldiers to rely upon the numbers rather than God's provision to protect him. And so what does God say? Down at the bottom, 6, 20, uh, 23, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. We'll talk more about that. But remember that verse and recite that verse as a reset button in your day. It moves God to the top of the list. It reminds us that we're citizens of heaven. <coughs> Excuse me. A different kingdom. We're strangers. We're pilgrims here. We're just traveling through. And everything we own will one day belong to others. Or will decay. Or be in a trash heap. Or a recycle bin. Everything we own. And every atom that makes up our bodies... We'll move on to make up other things later. I actually had two people question, and I've heard this question a lot in Welcome Home. People will say, now, if we're cremated or something, how will God, you know, because our bodies are supposed to be raised. I'm going, your atoms will still be here. And the guy that arranged them in the first place knows where they are. So let's not worry about it. If you're blown apart, he knows where the parts are. And so however he's going to do that, he'll do it. Don't cling to that which cannot sustain you. Don't cling to the temporary. Because if you do, it will fail you. Cling to God, to the eternal. Trust him to reward. Trust him to repay. And seek him first. The rest will sort itself out. 